This episode of the American Farriers Journal podcast is brought to you by Razor Horse. Welcome to the American Farriers Journal podcast. I'm Jeremy McGovern. We all know the importance of the foot and lower limb and the horse's health. Yet, in the grand scheme of things, foot care is a lower priority when compared to other areas of equine research. Furthermore, most farriers don't have a place at the table to conduct foot and limb research at a clinical or university level. Dr. Renata Weller and others at the Royal Veterinary College are working to change this. She's helped create a diploma program in which farriers can actively plan and conduct research. And now they are working to export this program to the U.S. In this podcast episode, Dr. Weller will discuss the details of this program. She'll also share how farriers can conduct research on an everyday basis. Tell us about your background and your work at the Royal Veterinary College. My role at the Royal Veterinary College at the moment is I'm employed to work on clinics in the equine referral hospital, which uh, takes up about 50% of my time. And the other 50% of my time, I do research into applied biomechanics. So the RVC is home to the biggest animal-related biomechanics lab in the world. And I guess my little niche there is the clinically applied research, mainly horses. We do the odd elephant, but really it's mainly, mainly horses. Before we talk about the program, can you talk about how extensive is foot care represented in equine research today, maybe in relation or comparison to to other fields like internal medicine? I always find it, well, not amusing, more disappointing, really, that there is a discrepancy between just how many problems arise from the foot and just how little we really know about it compared to other fields. So last year, I did a little study where I compared the number of publications that have been produced in the field of horse-related diagnostic imaging to the ones that have been produced in relation to the equine foot. And it's uh, there's a serious discrepancy where in, in diagnostic imaging, uh, I mean, every year we get... Um, it's like an exponential growth in, in publications. And the foot-related research is, is very small in comparison. And it doesn't seem to be growing over the years. It, it, I, I didn't go, I mean, I went back to the 80s and 70s. And literally, it's a, it's a small, uh, constant number, whereas any other field, as we know, is exploding in knowledge. Uh, so, yeah, I think we need to do something about this. Why do you think the foot or or the lower limb is, um, maybe this is the wrong way to put it, but less of a priority or or hasn't gotten the attention that that it should? You know what? I actually don't know. Uh, Because as we know, I mean, the foot is the number one uh, side of, of lameness and we still... So it should really be the number one topic in research, but it's not. And I have a very simplistic explanation of this. It's bloody difficult. (laughs) So as we all know, it's within that hoof capsule, so we can't really access it that easily. There's so many factors involved and, and so on. But the one 
factor I think we can address is that we have two different groups of people looking at the feed and the farriers or the podiatrist on, on one side and the vets on the other. Uh, and that can't be, it can't be one side or the other. I think we need to start working more closely with each other. And then I think um, that should be, that should change that lack of, of science behind foot care. And so instead of just talking about it, you're one of the few people that's actually, <laughs> instead of just complaining, you're going to do something about it. Tell us about the, the new program and the relation to what you're trying to get going on in, in the United States. So this new program has been uh, in in my head in a, a long time. I, I work very closely with the farriers at the Rovetnik College. I have lots of friends in the farrier world. And for me, there was never this divide between farriers and vets. It, it doesn't exist in, in, in my head at all. But I knew that it did exist in the real world. And what I wanted to bring together was the people who see the horse every few weeks and the people who see the horse when things go wrong. Um, and by doing that, I'm, I'm hoping that we will get a critical mass of people with the same goal in mind, which is to put some scientific evidence behind podiatry. And I, I do think it takes both, both groups of uh, people working together. So what we have done, basically, we've gone back in history. So the RVC turned 225 years old last year, and the first intake of students was actually farriers. And we're now almost reinventing history by saying, right, guys, we need you. We need your expertise. We need your background. And we are the people who know how to do research. You are the people who know how to deal with horses' feet. So why don't we combine this and see where this takes us? Or, well, I, I don't want to see where it takes us. I know where it will take us, which is that we will, in due time, hopefully have a lot of people on the shop floor who are able to do robust research in practice, almost as part of their daily job. Can you explain the development of the program uh, and what you're trying to get going with the U.S. and how farriers can learn more and, and get more information on it? So we started the program two years ago now with the first uh, 20 farriers starting at the Royal Vetney College. And uh, we had a fair few people from the U.S. interested in that program. However, unfortunately, the way it's structured and the way the law is in, in, in terms of uh, letting people in to, to study is uh, that these people couldn't come to the RVC. And I thought, well, this, this can't be. This is a global problem. It, it, you know, horses go lame. Horses have foot problems everywhere in the world. So I, I, I talked to a fair few people in the States uh, who said to me, look, we are really interested. How can we make this happen? And I have to give a lot of uh, credit to Pat Riley, who said, look, why don't you come? Why don't you come to Penn? We can help you host it there. And I said, "Oh my God, this this is amazing! Let let's let's have a look at this." And uh, amazingly, we we got it off the ground. So it's uh, exactly the same program that we run in the UK at the Royal Vetney College, except that the residential weekends happen at Penn, and the course itself is structured that it's basically. Uh, six residential weekends with homework in between. So it's a combination of online learning 
and face-to-face learning. And that face-to-face learning, uh, we are now able to take to the States starting January 2018. Who's the ideal farrier for your program? The ideal farrier. So we, we do we do have uh, entry requirements. Our target group, I would say, is the farrier who has, to, has spent the last few years gaining experience um, on the job. So the experienced practical farrier with a keen interest in uh, the thinking farrier. I don't want to sound like not all farriers are thinking, but what I mean with that is the people who are really trying to be innovative, trying to come up with with solutions if the normal standard stuff doesn't work, who who like to think outside the box, who know the problems that are happening on the shop floor, we all know that chronically lame horses have a really bad prognosis to go back to soundness. And I want the farriers who really, really, really want to to change that and, and who, who want to work with us to, to think about new solutions to old, very old problems. And to this, I mean, I, I have to come up with some, some hard criteria. And, and uh, what we have done is, so the farriers who would like to enter this program, they need to have a few years experience, practical experience, and they need to demonstrate that they have an interest in, uh, I, I hate the word remedial, but who have an interest in orthopedic farriery. So who deal with not only somewhat sound horses, but horses with specific problems and who can demonstrate that they have that interest. So I want to see farriers on the program who really think about laminitis, who think about heel pain, who think about spavin horses and so on. So this this is the one side of the coin. So the practical experience and the thinking mind. The other side of the coin is also they need to be able to cope with the course academically. And a lot of farriers, uh, as, as we know, they like the practical work. Uh, many farriers, at least in UK, have left school very early. So for them, they, they have been out of the education system, so, some of them for decades. And I want to capture their experience and I want, to, I want them to come on our course. However, it's my responsibility to make sure we give them the best chance to succeed. And to do that, the first part of the course, it's all geared up in easing people into the academic world again. And we have been doing this with uh, veterinary nurses and technicians for a good 10 years now. So the RVC has the experience and the team who can help those people to, to come back or even enter the academic world for the first time. So the first part of the course, it's all about communication skills, all about digital skills. So it's called the contemporary study skills part of the of the course. I think, at least from the feedback I've gotten from the farriers who have already been through that, it not only helps them to succeed in the main part of the course, the feedback was overwhelmingly positive in terms that it also helps in their daily professional life, which I think is a really a, a good sign that we are going down the, the right route, really. And I know there's people listening who, for whatever reason, are, are interested in the idea of research, but can't be part of this. That doesn't necessarily exclude them from conducting research. You know, it's, it's not necessarily has to be as, as 
I think you've put before an ivory tower type thing, and it doesn't need to be something that, that appears in an academic journal. Can you, can you talk a little bit about how farriers can approach the idea of conducting research within their own practices? I, I think it's entirely us academics' fault that in, in many people's mind, when they hear the word research, they think about high-level, university-based, Nobel Prize-winning stuff. And that's really not what, what research is about. Research is about being curious and trying to find an answer and doing so in a systematic manner. So I know of a lot of farriers and vets and physios and uh, who really are researchers but never really thought that they are researchers. And the reason I call them researchers is because they have a curiosity to answer a question that came to them during their daily work. And to answer that question, they may uh, have taken photographs of horses' feet for the last 25 years. That's research, really, to then measure stuff and to think, oh, look, or even just to look at those photographs and say, right, I've been doing this for the last year and look at how the feet have changed shape. That's already research. What I would like to do together with my team here is I would like to get that individual's research channeled so others can profit from that those findings. And for this, we need to make sure those photographs are labeled and numbered, they are measured in a robust way, and then finally get analyzed in a way that we can actually publish it so we get that knowledge to other people. Let's take that as, as sort of an entry-level ideas, documenting their own work, taking photographs. What are, what are a couple of quick tips for maybe organizing their work or labeling it properly? We all have the same problem, and the problem is time. So my first tip would be make sure you're organized in a way so you don't lose any data. And with data, I really mean the date that horse was seen. I mean the picture that goes with it. Uh, I mean what you have done to intervene. And this could be something as simple as little A5, A4 notebook where um, people note down, uh, this is what I've done today, this picture goes with it, and then next time this horse is seen in a few weeks' time, making a simple note saying, right, uh, the heel looks now higher, I've taken another picture, this is the number of the picture, this is where I can find it. So it can be something as simple as that. Research is also about reflection. And uh, to me, the pure fact if somebody sends images to somebody else and says, look, I'm struggling with this horse. I have tried this, this and this. It didn't help. What do you think can be done? So again, this is not systematic research. However, this is a reflection on the work that's been done. And if then a note is being taken saying, right, I got this tip. I'm going to try this. Let's see how this turns out. And if this is then documented again, that's research. I think what's really important to me is if I could harness all the expertise that is out there and all that research that has already been done, we probably would have the answer to a lot of the issues we are facing. If it's not harnessed and not, if, if it's just an individual's finding and if somebody is sitting on 25 years worth of pictures of horse feed and, and that knowledge 
is somewhere on a computer or even on a on slides or, or, or somewhere. That's really not good enough, in my opinion, because that helps that person. It also helps the however many horses he or she looks after. But it could be so much more when it would be published and if that knowledge would be disseminated. So I'm hoping this is what we can really achieve. I'd like to thank Dr. Weiler for joining us in this episode and talking about the new program at the Royal Veterinary College. I'd also like to thank Razor Horse for sponsoring it. If you have any questions or comments on this podcast episode, please post it to its page at AmericanFarriers.com slash podcast. Until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you.